You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 12. The more people who are bad actors, the more everyone just jumps in and has to be even worse, and then all of a sudden everyone's going to turn off push notifications and none of us can actually use it. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Klar. Hey, it's nice to be back home. Back in good old Brooklyn, New York. I just spent a week out in California, and that's after New Haven, so quite a lot of moving around. I got a lot done for this podcast, two interviews in the bag, they're recorded. I made some more contacts and set up a few more possibilities. So it was a work trip and partially a vacation trip the last couple of days in San Diego, uh, at least this weekend, but I made the most progress probably on this podcast, so that's pretty good. One of the aspects of the Local Maximum podcast, which I wasn't fully anticipating, is how we can dive so deep uh, into issues by providing a multi-episode analysis, and that includes with various different people. So for example, in episode five, I spoke to Christian Lundqvist about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, Now, a lot of the uh, Ideas came up later, for example, when we discussed the idea of crypto networks replacing some current internet applications or emerging jobs when I was speaking at Yale last week, I can refer back to that episode. Uh, Another recurring theme, not unrelated, by the way, is how we communicate with each other online. It's a social question, and I spoke about a flaw that I see in Facebook's methodology on this in episode nine, and then we saw the Mark Zuckerberg questioning before Congress in episode 10 and got a further glimpse into how folks at that company and other social networks are thinking about this right now. And today's topic is related to all this as well. This is the first time I've had someone whose primary focus is working on the product side of the tech industry on this show. Uh, Marissa has worked with me at Foursquare and has had a front row seat at several different types of Silicon Valley companies. Actually, I'd say a pretty diverse group of Silicon Valley companies. So we had a free-flowing, kind of free-associating conversation last week, and one of the big themes that came up in our chat is the idea of building products that look out for our interests. And when I say our, I mean as the users of these products. I mean, obviously, some of us are shareholders in some of these companies too, but we really want these interests to be in alignment. I mean, they should be one and the same. Aren't you just getting tired of using an internet that's built to waste your time to play a zero-sum game where you lose and somebody else wins who's chasing some obscure metric? I mean, I know I am. And that's why I think it's important to think about how to build these stellar products that win in the marketplace and are also a win for consumers. And Marissa has certainly put some thought into this. Today's discussion is really a starting point. I can already tell we've touched on and built some of the themes from previous episodes. And the theme of this episode is going to be one that I refer back to a lot because I think these issues are on a lot of minds right now in the tech industry and the mobile application industry specifically. Marissa Chaco is the Senior Director of Consumer Products at Foursquare, where she leads a team of product managers, designers, and engineers to invent the future of location-based technology. 
Over the course of Marissa's past three years at Foursquare, she built a number of contextually aware products, including MarsBot, a quirky SMS bot that learns based on user behavior. Hey, I think I have that. Prior to joining Foursquare, Marissa developed products for Hotel Tonight, Zynga, and IBM. Outside the office, she has a passion for horse riding and can be found practicing her jumping skills down in Palo Alto. Marissa holds bachelor degrees from Washington University in St. Louis, as well as an MBA from the University of California in Berkeley. Marissa, welcome to the show. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Hey, thanks, Max. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to be out here in San Francisco so that we could do this live. You always get a lot of uh, value out of doing the live shows. I don't know if anyone can hear these sirens. Yeah, it's an added benefit. You know, I don't know if... um, you know, I, I hear so many podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, I'm sorry, there's a siren in the background, but I don't hear it. Nobody hears it. Yeah. So it's possible that that won't come out at all. Yeah, let's hope not. Maybe they have good editors. Yeah, yeah. All right, so tell me, what, what are you doing now at Foursquare? You've been at Foursquare for a few years now, right? Yeah, just over three years now. Um, right now, I'm the head of the consumer products team. So basically, I run kind of the product managers, designers, all working on our consumer applications like Foursquare City Guide, Swarm, and MarsBot. Yeah, that's the fun stuff, the stuff that everyone loves to use. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about uh, some of the different consumer applications that you've worked to put out uh, in the last few years. Um, What are some of the things that you're most proud of there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before I joined Foursquare, I was at Zynga. And so um, one of the mobile apps I worked on there was called uh, Running with Friends. It was like a PvP runner game. And that was pretty fun. It was like my first mobile game that I was uh, working on and loved just like the fun animations. It was a lot of like 3D graphics. And I thought, you know, the fun parts there were like really doing cool reskins of the game, doing like holiday features that were like just like fun and playful. From there, I went and worked at Hotel Tonight on their kind of core app around like booking last minute travel. I think the most I don't know, fun feature I worked on there was around forecasting hotel bookings or forecasting hotel availability. So one of the problems we had was that people were scared to wait until the day before to book hotels. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. I had a lot of trouble with that in um, when I went to uh, Tennessee and Kentucky for the eclipse. Oh, yeah. I ended up at a really, uh, <laughs> a really bad like motel. That was, uh, you know, way overcharging. Like, it was the most I ever paid for a hotel, and it was, like, the worst. But I, had, I did use hotel tonight um, a few times when I needed, you know, extra, if I was traveling and I needed an extra night in a, in a pinch, and it really did work really well. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to hear. Um, but, yes, I think a lot of people have that, like, feeling of, like, oh, God, if I, if I show up to the eclipse, like, is there going to be a hotel room there? Right, right. And a lot of times, like, there wouldn't be. So what we did was try and forecast, like, okay, are there going to be rooms? Is there going to be inventory? And give people a heads up, like if it was going to be super expensive, like on the night of the eclipse, like it's going to be really expensive. So they don't want people waiting last minute and be like, oh, this is now like a $600 hotel room for a Motel 8. I guess you're always worried, what if there's an eclipse going on and I don't know about it? Maybe not not that example, but like um, there was one time I used it when I was out in San Diego and I really needed the hotel. And it was like... That's no big deal, but what if it was the biggest day in San Diego? What if there was some kind of like big event going on? Yeah, it was like Comic Con or something. Yeah. You have like nothing. 
Yeah, and that was exactly the thing because people would have these like conferences that could be like the psychiatrist world conference and like you right. wouldn't know about that. But yeah. then if you like happen upon that city that week, you would be, you know, up a creek. So like we were trying to match both the data that like the account managers had in their heads with actual forecasted data of hotel demands. So that was like a cool feature because it was fun and we hadn't really done that before. And um, Is that still in the app? They actually changed it because they started allowing you to book out more than one day. So then All they right. ended up getting rid of that. But um at the time, I thought it was really awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, that uh, sounds really useful. That's probably one of those examples where it's like you go to your users and you say, "What's your biggest objection to using that?" Exactly. And that probably, uh, uh, that probably addresses it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty well. Is there anything that you built that uh, didn't work out as well as you'd hoped in terms of user experience, and what did you glean from that? Yeah, um, when I was early on working at Zynga, we had uh, this feature I released called like the Halloween Spooktacular, and it was like a proven game mechanic. You basically like grow up these like owls and gargoyles on your farm, and it's supposed to be like amazing. Um, so hold on. I, so Zynga is the gaming company. I know yeah. That. Is that the one that has a reputation for being a real pressure cooker? I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But okay. Absolutely. Just it. It's known for like having like very aggressive product people oh, and gotcha. like being like pretty hard. Wait, you, we were the product person. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was okay. part of that crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I learned all my great techniques, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we had this great feature around like the Halloween spectacular, and it just totally bombed. And I like could not figure out like I did all the analysis, I did all the metrics, and like at the end of the day, the most we could figure out was that like maybe owls and gargoyles like weren't that cool for like our user base and they just weren't that into them and i felt like that was really hard because you know you work for a long time on a feature and then for it to just be like oh we don't think owls are cool and so that was like a bummer i always want to get something out really really quick and i always get really antsy when it's always like wait wait a month wait six months wait a year this better work and because sometimes it doesn't yeah exactly you know? I mean, I felt like that with Marsbot when we were working on that, like back yeah. in the day where it took a long time to get anything in front of users and we were like, oh gosh, we should know if this is going to work first. Yeah. Well, we did a, um, we did a test on that. Right? Yeah, we yeah. did. So I'm trying to remember that was, so that we worked on it, I think 2015, we started working on it and then it didn't take too long to get a prototype up, by the way, I know that some of you listening to this podcast may know this already but I've been working at Foursquare here for seven years. I just thought I'd say that. And I worked on, a, on an app called Marsbot. Maybe you've heard that, maybe not. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure I mentioned that on the podcast once or twice. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe I forgot to mention it. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so anyway, Marsbot's this really cool app. It was an opportunity to kind of uh, experiment with this fun new technology from the ground up and build something as, you know, like you think it's supposed to be built rather than just, you know, most of the time you're dealing with a product that's already out there. Yeah. And just to recap, you know, on what Marsbot is, well, why don't I let you, I, I've already described what Marsbot is, Dennis already described what Marsbot is, why don't you have you do it on this episode? Yeah, I guess to me, Marsbot's sort of like that, uh, like the best friend that's in your pocket that's always like looking out for what's like a cool place for you to try out, that like just knows your taste, knows your habits, and is always kind of looking out for your best interests. Yeah, I usually describe it in the same way, but I like that, that it's like, it's looking out for your interests. Like, I think we need more of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's go back to the timeline on that because we had an interest, I'm trying to remember back to our timeline. It didn't take us that long to come up with a prototype, did yeah, it? Yeah, it didn't. I think it, we were a few months. Quick. Yeah. Yeah, and then we had a, 
then we had some user testing. Yeah, we I think we put it out with some users. I remember we had that great uh, user who said that she got that text message from Marsbot and thought it was like a guy asking her out on a date because it sounded like oh, yeah. so familiar. It was yeah, like, yeah. hey, what are you doing tonight? I want to go to grab a beer at the Old Bus Tavern. Yeah. And she was like, thought it was a guy asking her out, which I was like, that's kind of a win, but yeah. also maybe we need to make it a little less familiar. Some of it was just me. I mean, not that one, but like some, <laughs> like, some of it, sometimes I can write I can write to people as Marsbot. And I think that actually did get to someone where they were like, is this a real person in there? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no, bye. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say about this product is unique? Is it a bot? Is it an app? Is it a, I feel like it's different from all those things. Yeah, I think like from the bot's perspective, it's like one of the few that actually is like pushing content at you rather than pulling. And I think a lot of people are just like scared of that, right? Because you're like, oh God, we're going to annoy the hell out of our users if we're just pushing them, especially over SMS, because it's a very high profile channel, right? So there's like a lot of ways that we could have messed that up. Um, but I think we did a good job being like really cautious and like really good about the recommendations. The, the SMS channel, that was, if I remember correctly, that was pretty controversial, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. A lot of people wanted us to do in-app and we were just like, and Dennis actually, I think was the one who was like, now we have to go SMS. Yeah, that was, I feel like if it was in-app, it wouldn't, I, I mean, you'd get these push notifications, you'd lose them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't have worked at all. And we wouldn't be able to have that chat back and forth. Exactly, yeah. But I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking this morning about how, you know, how it pushes stuff out to you, and, and a lot of these, a lot of these bots, it, it's always presented as here's your new friend, chat with it, and it's like, I don't want a new friend, I don't need <laughs> someone else to chat with, you know. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you you have it, maybe it's a it's it's the friend you never knew you wanted, but it's like yeah. you'll never remember to chat with someone new, exactly. It's, um, especially with sort of you know introverted people, it's hard to like get yourself to. Uh, it, it, it takes me like a few meetings before I get comfortable with yeah. someone new and it's probably the same thing with bots totally and I feel like so many bots right you try out and you're like oh I'll ask I'll like play around ask them a couple of things and then you kind of forget about them because you're like oh I have to go find you in one of my messaging apps to like you know ask you about the nearest pizza shop and at that point I might as well just look it up on an app that I already have and use a regular UI um, so I feel like the bot thing still hasn't quite gotten to the place where I feel like they're smart enough to like keep engaging you in the right way and like offer enough value. Yeah, I feel like the, the whole bot ecosystem is kind of going in waves, right? You yeah. have a big interest back, and we kind of struck while the iron is hot a little bit with, mm -hmm. uh, with MarsBot. Let's talk about this another uh, another attempt. If we were to uh, you know design a Marsbot 2.0, what do you think would be the next thing to include in Marsbot, or what would what would you think that the main selling point would be? Yeah, so I think about um, you know what I like about Marsbot is it's like personalized. That it's learning about like the locations I go to, like the neighborhoods I hang out at, and it looks about like the tastes I have and like what kind of restaurants and places I go to. But I'm like, there's so many other dimensions of my life that I would want it to know about to like give me even better recommendations. Like, yeah. can you look at my calendar and be like, hey, you've got dinner with Eve tomorrow. Like, go to this place because it's close to you and Eve and it's great because we know you both like it. Or, you know, starting to say like, you ate four hours ago, you're going to get hungry soon. Like, let me like predict that you're going to be hungry and maybe in the, you know, Marsbot 10.0 would have like a blood sensor that it would have an API hooked up to that could say like, oh, your blood sugar is running low. Like, you need to get something. But... I don't know. I think like going really deep on the personalization like would be awesome for Marsbot. Yeah, it comes. It always comes out to like uh, you know what you said, looking out for your interests. And I feel like some of these API integrations can be really uh, magical if they're done right. Yeah. Um, I feel like when I tend to jump into it, I tend to want to use every 
aspect of every API and then it gets to be almost too clever like, hey, I know this about you, I know that about you, and it doesn't really, it's not really helpful. But um, what would be your you know, low-hanging fruit on this? Like, I think you mentioned, um, what was the one you mentioned? Like your cal calendar. Yeah. yeah. I think calendar sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think calendar integration would be good. And even just like more dialogue and like more robust. Like I know you started like, yeah. you know, allowing people to dive a little bit deeper of like, oh, is that open now? Like, you know, is there a place closer? Like, so having a little bit more engagement back and forth. Because I think right now it's still sort of like a one-way channel. And like you can respond to Marsbot, but there's not a lot of back and forth. So I think like yeah. having more like rich dialogue. Would I feel be like a little bit. And even if the dialogue is based on something that it pushed to you initially, yeah. there's a lot of questions that you can ask. And I feel like um, there was only so much that I could do. But with a little bit of research, uh, you could make a really good system that uh, you can con talk to back and forth. I feel like there's always this fear with bots that's like, why even bother talking to it? Because there's a good chance it's not going to get me what I want anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, even even if it can, you know, yeah. it's it's almost. I I feel like there's this invisible fear that it probably won't. So why bother? I don't know why I have this in my mind, but how are we going to get people over that? Yeah, <laughs> right? myself. No, I mean, I think it's true because it's probably because a lot of us used early Siri and early Alexa and they were terrible, yeah. right? And like you would ask some questions and Siri would be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like people just were like, well, forget it. I'm just going to like type it in. But I feel like uh, what Alexa has done is it, it's gotten really good at a few commands. So that way you know that, like, I know if I ask at the time, it's not going to have any problems. Yeah. But um, it's sort of the more complicated dialogue that you would want to have with an AI, it's... I mean, I don't want to say they've uh, given up, but it's just not part of the product yet. Yeah. And so I don't know. Maybe maybe they just decided like, well, it's just such a hard problem that maybe maybe they're doing R and D on the down low, but it's like it's just not there. Yeah, and, and so. it's like such a wide number of domains, right? That you have to like cover if you're like on the Alexa or like Siri level. Whereas at least for us, we can say like predominantly food, and we can kind of focus. So from like a yeah. language standpoint, it's at least a little bit focused. But yeah, yeah. But I feel like if we just kind of looked at what people were asking, what kind of questions we can sort of figure out. You know, I, I saw a lot of people were asking, hey, can you make me a reservation? Can yeah. You, you know, that's that's all totally doable. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what is your, what's your take on MarsBot 2.0? What would you want in there? Um, I think, well, the thing that we already covered is, and I've been saying this for a while, is some of the deeper dialogue mm -hmm. uh, where it would be, you, you know, kind of like a, a conversation with a friend, kind of a, a negotiation of where you're going to go. Yeah. And sort of a, well, it's, you know, it's, I had, um, you know, I had this kind of food yesterday, like I had Chinese food yesterday, I don't want Chinese food today. And, or like, this is too expensive or whatever. And then it would be cool if it used that dialogue to learn about you later on and it's like okay this person doesn't want to have the same food twice in a row mm -hmm. and i know they're like price sensitive right now and i know that they don't want to I, I know this is how far they're willing to travel and so something that like has a dialogue with you about what you're going to do and then sort of learns from you even if it were just sort of a a good attempt to at that would be really cool yeah i feel like there's a promise too right of like um you know the ability to like understand your emotional state too and like respond to that of like oh you you sound sluggish like maybe you just want like 
delivery order today because you're uh, <laughs> use your watch uh, I don't know if, well it knows how many steps I've taken yeah it, it knows you know if I've stayed in all day yeah it uh, yeah yeah that's interesting. yeah it could respond to your emotional cues and like use a different language pattern too just based yeah. on that I'd also like I mean I know we're trying to make it fun here but I'd like <laughs> a, health, a health conscious one because yeah it's always it's always pushing on me the, the sweets and the <laughs> cookies and the, and the the ice cream and the which I'll, yeah I'll get if it recommends it to me because it it doesn't give those recommendations that often but some I mean we used to have I don't know if you remember this in Foursquare we used to have something called connected apps do you remember that no I don't so I think this is before you came here so okay. we had third parties that hooked into the check-in uh-huh. and their messages would fire on certain check-ins and it would actually um, appear on the, the post check-in page in Foursquare where oh, we would be swarmed now. And so like there was one app called Eat This Not That that would basically, if you checked in at a certain place, it would give you the healthiest option there. Oh wow. That's and that, cool. that was so useful. Yeah. And we like, we ripped that out of the app at some point. <laughs> I think that was during the app split. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, or no, actually I think it was before then. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, that was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of you know, experimenting with different features. I feel like what we could have gotten out of the, you know, connected apps was say, I don't know, that was one of them, you know, pick the top three and say, okay, just, uh, you know, promote these to the features and then remove that if we have to remove it. Yeah. Or maybe it's something around like unique communities where it's like, you know, pescatarians or something or like, I don't know, smaller groups where like maybe we won't build features just to support them. But like if they have their own community and they can like hook into our apps, maybe that would be interesting. And I like the idea of enabling communities to come together and form their own sort of rules without having the platform push the communities and push the rules on them. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about that? Like, what, who, do you think anyone does that as well? I feel like uh, if, I, if I can give an example of someone who doesn't do it well yeah. right now, like Twitter is not doing it well because everybody's in the room. And maybe that's true for Facebook too. Yeah. And so you can't have... Every discussion has the same trolls, and every discussion <laughs> yeah. has the same like goes in the same direction, and it's like you can't have you, you want to have a diverse group of communities, not just like I don't know I don't know how to put it like it maybe like a, a mixing pot where like certain loud voices are always present in the background pushing you in certain directions. I kind of yeah. feel that way. Does that make sense to you at all? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's yeah. funny. I was actually talking to somebody from Twitter like a couple of weeks ago. Actually, we were having breakfast and I was like, you know, Twitter's been in the news because they're like constantly being trolled and have a bunch of really yeah. bad content on there. Um, and I was kind of asking like, well, how are you guys like approaching it? And they were thinking about more of the Wikipedia like moderators thing. And I was actually telling them about like our super user community and how they like sort of self-moderate but in like local communities and that yeah. like, you know, Germany has different rules than like England has different rules than uh, Saudi Arabia. And like they can all like kind of self-moderate their communities, which I think kind of goes back to that point of like each community may have like different standards that they judge each other by. And like right. us sitting in San Francisco shouldn't be like, this is what applies for the entire world. And like, you know, we're going to get it wrong. And I think we have a lot of the time. Unless there's anything on that, uh, we're ready to get into push notification. Yeah, let's talk about push. Okay. You've been dealing with Uh, working with push notifications for a long time, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I built out a lot of the push notifications we have here at Foursquare. I used to kind of run this team called Push Recommendations. Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of apps on my phone with push notifications. Uh, Do you ever get annoyed by apps that interrupt you? And how do you 
you know, well, how do you deal with that in, in, in your own phone? And how do you not become one of the apps that do that? Quite frankly, I turn them off, like for most apps. Um, usually I'll give them like a grace period and be like, okay, I'll try it out. Um, but a lot of times people just abuse the channel, right? Um, and so I think for me personally, I, I think a lot about like, how do I focus? I was just reading that book called like, I think it's Deep Focus or Deep Work. I don't know if you've read that. I haven't. I haven't. It's actually, was, it, was good? Yeah, it was really good. Right, I'll put that. I have a show notes page of links. So yeah. I'll put that as one of the links. Yeah, it's great. It's by uh, this guy who's really thinking about like, you know, the new knowledge economy and how like the, our biggest asset is our ability to focus and have like yeah. really great attention. And that's how we're going to build like really interesting creative things in the future. But I think I have on the show. yeah, yeah, you should. Um, it was a great book and it really talks about like how the world is actually conspiring to distract us right now and to taking us away from the things that are going to make us successful. Yeah, it's like it's driving me crazy over here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so it's like you've got to like tune all these things out and like pushes one of those bad actors that like every time you see your phone light up, you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to look at that because it feels yeah. really important and it feels like, oh, this is a great distraction so I don't have to work on this hard project that's more difficult to focus on. Um, but yeah, I think as like, and product people, we need to like actually be thinking about like how do we maintain this channel in a way that's healthy for all apps. Yeah, you know, I was telling you like I think about it, like the tragedy of the commons uh, because the more people who are bad actors, like the more everyone just jumps in and has to be even worse, and then all of a sudden like everyone's going to turn off push notifications and none of us can actually use it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I feel like it's not that easy to turn off. Well, no, it is easy to turn off push notifications in iOS, but why don't I do it? I should probably do it more. Yeah. It's not. It's it's easy, but it's not. Uh, it, it's if I understand correctly, it's like on a. It's on your settings screen. It's, yeah. You can't do it when you get the notification. Yeah. And that's kind of an issue. I kind of want a sort of three strikes and you're out policy mm -hmm. where I can like tag notifications as not helpful, not helpful, and then yeah. maybe after a while that or like double the amount of time before that app could give me a notification again. Yeah. And it'd be great to have like a personalized model that like learns what individuals like and be like, okay, well, Max really likes these notifications, but not these. And then like we can tailor those to the individual. Hmm. So sort of like that would be a software that goes on top of all your apps like as part of the operating system. Yeah. That can kind of disambiguate. That's an interesting idea. I think that's a good way to, uh, to kind of throttle the tragedy of the comments. <laughs> This yeah. comes up in a lot of issues. I mean, it's, that's a similar, we were talking about earlier about how there are a lot of experiments going on yeah. uh, in the apps and sometimes they interfere with each other. And so maybe we need, you know, to follow the experiments. Or yeah. When we do machine learning, there's also, we add all these features to the model and it's like, well, maybe we should not have everybody adding whatever they want. Maybe we should have some piece of software there selecting features, you know, yeah. which is feature selection is a part of machine learning. So why not use it? Um, you mentioned to me before the show started about a study that people were less happy after using Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was like, because um, I've been starting to think a lot about like the backlash of technology. Part of it was like, you know, trying to figure out how do we make our push notifications good so people are really right. happy with them. But then also looking at like, well, what are the bad actors doing? And actually Facebook came out with their own research by their own division saying that like people's satisfaction started to go down the more they used. Yeah, they released their own research around that. And I think that was part of the impetus where Zuckerberg started pulling back, you know, a lot of the like, kind of 
crappy content that was on there and like actually trying to promote more like friends content getting back to like the actual social and social and not just like brands pushing content Um, but it really makes me think about like how do we like actually provide value for people's attention because I think it's become this world where the software is constantly demanding more of your time and attention but they're not actually giving you enough back for it and I think people are starting to wake up from it and like I know a lot of people are starting to delete Facebook at least not even after this privacy thing like before that just because they were like this is like not adding value to my life you know yeah yeah I can't I I can't bring myself to delete Facebook I get too much value out of it close friends and family really yeah Uh, and it's hard to you know it, it's uh, there's no way around it at this point. Exactly. <laughs> I think it'll be like that for a few. They've they've got a uh, they've got us locked up for a few years. Most of us anyway. Yeah, but I think it's like it's really hard to like they're addictive apps, right? Yeah. You know, like it's uncontrollable. I, there's so many apps like for, like Facebook and and Dots that I just check oh when gosh, I yeah. I'm not uh, it's not appropriate. Yeah. And I really need to stop. Yeah, dots. I think I've like deleted off my phone and then put back on my phone, then deleted again, like maybe yeah. three times. There was one called Twenty Forty Eight. That was a game, and it was so bad that I I deleted it. But dots is just not is, you know. It, I I know it's got to be some game, so I picked yeah. that uh, over because I feel like at least it's a little bit. I don't know. I feel, like Candy Crush feels like dots. That's even less healthy because it's candy. Yeah. I, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, but it's not just candy. It's like the blip, 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 all the like like colors and stuff. And I yeah. feel like Dots is a little more, um, well, there are different rules here. It's a little more cerebral. So maybe yeah. I, for some reason, I feel less bad about it. Yeah. But I need to stop playing Dots at work. I'll just say that. <laughs> I think I got to like level a thousand on dots and I was like, I should be excited, but I actually am just like, what if I, oh, I'm way past a thousand. Yeah, I, know. I think I remember <laughs> seeing you on dots and I was like, yeah. man, Max is like very far up there, but you know, you know, the sad part is, you know, how I found dots was I was giving a talk at the iOS meetup uh-huh. and the guy who went after me is the, was the designer of dots. Oh yeah. And then, and, and based, so basically like the designer got me hooked. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I found it. It wasn't like a friend told me. No, the actual designer of, of Dots, um, got, I didn't even listen to his lecture. Like the first five minutes I downloaded yeah. it, I was just playing it the rest of the <laughs> it was lecture. It so addictive. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, like, I mean, back in gaming, right, we used a lot of techniques that came out gambling. They were like casino yeah. mechanics and like a lot of that, like variable rewards and like, you know, slot machine dynamics, like that was all from gambling. And so it is really addictive, but like now yeah. we're applying it to like everyday applications and software but like we're hooking people on that and 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 there's so much data going into it you know i i've been to a few casinos recently um and it's just not um that appealing to me it's not that addicting to me yeah but i feel like um i feel like these apps on on the phone have just been you know uh, the research has been like you know millions of data points and you know trying to figure out how to get you to like move on it that one last time and yeah. it's just it's it's just a, a whole other level of addictiveness that that has been achieved yeah i mean you gotta think like the brightest minds in like our country right now are like working on like how to get you to like open instagram or google another time right to like keep you yeah. in there and like that used yeah. to be we'd talk you know about finance people like oh they're trying to like sell you you know trying to like make more money but now it's like oh we're trying to get you to click on ads and like that's like the best and brightest or like or trying to get you to open your app with like a spammy push notification yeah do you think that they like the incentives are misaligned there do you think that there could be you know there could be applications that come out in the future that 
you know, align the incentives a little bit better than, than they are now? I think there are. I mean, I think honestly, like you have to look at like different revenue models, right? Like, you know, things like Headspace where you have to pay like 70 bucks a year and I, and I did it and it was actually a really good app. Um, but a lot of people are scared to charge that kind of money, right? For apps because it's hard and, and uh, people aren't used to monetizing that way. But until you like are incentivized based on not just attention, but based on like an end experience, or you look at things like Airbnb, right? Like they keep people coming back, not because the app is really good, but because like your experience in an Airbnb is really good. Right, right. And it's not like, you know, I'm not checking it every day, not even every month, just yeah. maybe every six months. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I, I know it's there. I mean, that was, that must have been, and I know Airbnb took a long time. It was really the network, setting up that network must yeah. have been a lot of, a lot of legwork, a lot of thankless work at the beginning that, they didn't know it was going to pay off. So yeah, and I think about like for our applications, right? Like, could we think about different like metrics that we use for success? Like, could we look at like how many new places did we lead you to? Not just like how many times did you open the app, or like how many like you know ultimately could we get it? Like, is your life better? Like, that's what you know we should ultimately be judging ourselves on. And like, are there corollaries and metrics that we can measure for that? Like, going to new places or like meeting up with friends or things like that that are like actually. A user benefit and not like a metric that we made up to like just judge whether people are engaging. That's a that's a good idea. It really comes full circle because I remember you know when Foursquare was just starting up, we were talking about you know trying to figure out whether our recommendations were actually leading to people checking into the places. Um, and I mean, even if you've checked into the, even if we've convinced you to go somewhere, that that still doesn't necessarily mean that your life is better. Yeah. But. <laughs> Ultimately, I mean, you go somewhere, you leave a good review. I mean, hope I feel like my life is better yeah. uh, for some of the recommendations I've got through Foursquare and Swarm, um, which is why I'm still very bullish on it. Um, but um, yeah, if 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 that becomes the 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 main the main driver for for our apps and for for most of the apps throughout the internet, I feel like we'll all be happier. Yeah, exactly. And maybe we'll like start optimizing for the right metrics. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. I feel like that's a good place to end that discussion. Right. Uh, let's now before we wrap up, uh, this is the part where you know I, I know you've got a website. I know you've got some things online. Maybe you just tell us some of the things that you have out there so that I can link to it and uh, so that people can go. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm just at Marissa Chaco. Uh, I also have a website, although I keep it up to date very sporadically, so there's yeah. not a ton on there right now. It's better than mine. I, I'm looking to get a, to improve my website. Yeah. But, uh, I will eventually. Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things that goes in fits and starts, but it's... Yeah. Um, how, how is it designed? Is it I just use a Squarespace Squarespace, template. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, my HTML1 is quite out of date, so <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't cut it these days. Yeah, yeah. All right, great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, Hope thanks, you come Max. back. Yeah, thanks. It was really fun. I'll have to see you in New York next time I'm out there. All right. In addition, we have a few exciting interviews coming up. One is more uh, more practical approach to AI and machine learning as applied to businesses, which is Maria Yao coming up next week. And hopefully soon I'll get to speak to Sarah Spagnolo, who is in marketing and takes big data stories, that stories involving very sophisticated data analysis and makes it palatable to the average person. Uh, so it sounds like we're going to build ourselves some marketable skills over the next couple of weeks. So that's exciting, isn't it? Uh, I'm also looking for topics and questions. Remember, I'll address your questions on the show. The show is still small enough that I can address every question that comes in pretty much. Uh, so just so you know, this won't last forever. I'm not 
you know, I'm not keeping it this small forever. The show is growing. So if you have something you want me to cover, send an email and you got your guarantee for now. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you want to keep up, remember to follow The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at MaxClock. Have a great week. Feel the power. I don't care what you say. You're gonna see me shine.